This Saturday, you have two teams going in complete opposite directions. You have West Virginia coming off a heartbreaking last-second Hail Mary loss to Houston, and you have Oklahoma State coming off back-to-back Big 12 wins, including a win over a top-25 team, and that's the Kansas Jayhawks. Well, I'm going to bring on a guest, and we're going to preview this Saturday's game between West Virginia and Oklahoma State, and we're going to do it right after this word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by Dutch Miller Automotive, where friends and family pricing means you get the best deal right up front on any new or pre-loved vehicle in stock every time. With brands like Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, Kia, Hyundai, Ford, GMC, Buick, and Subaru, the Dutch Miller Automotive family is always growing and ready to put you in the car or truck you've been searching for. Check out our inventory across West Virginia at DutchMillerAuto.com or come in today to the home of friends and family pricing only at a Dutch Miller Automotive store near you. What is up, college sports fans, Big 12 fans, fellow members of Mountaineer Nation? Welcome in to another edition of Kuzas Corner. Better yourself up to the bar, grab a corner booth, whatever makes you feel comfortable, and let me pour you out this shot of top-shelf college football content. To help me tend to your knees today is the one and only Cody Stovall from Locked On Oklahoma State. Cody, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well, brother, man. Doing Well, actually, doing much better than last time we had this conversation when the roles were somewhat in reverse. And, um, yeah. You know, so I don't I don't envy the position, but at the same time, we were just there. So the the ups and downs of the wild, wacky, crazy college football landscape, it ain't gonna get any better, buddy. No, sir. In this transfer market in IL era, I have a feeling that, you know, being an underdog anymore is not gonna mean much. Mm-mm. No, sir. And uh minute you you were talking about how things were reversed the last time we spoke. Man, isn't that isn't that college football though? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's what we love about it and hate about it at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good while the getting's good, and it, it, it hurts extra extra heavy when it's not. That's right, man. Well, uh, real quick, before we get into the meat of the show, can you just let everybody know? I kind of have it on the screen, but for those who are listening and not watching, can you let everybody know where they can find you? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I have a daily show, obviously, Locked On Oklahoma State, that's available on all podcasting platforms. Obviously, it's on YouTube as well. Um, on Twitter, I like to have some fun at all day. O state. Um, it's the same as far as Instagram and Facebook go as well. Um, it's O state all day. I hear you. And, uh, I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. I always enjoy, uh, chatting with you and, and, uh, you know, talking college football. And today, this week, we're talking about an actual game between our, between our teams, man. Yes. Um, you guys, what a turnaround you've had so far. Uh, in the last two weeks. I mean, you went from losing to South Alabama 33-7. Everybody thought Mike Gundy might be on the hot seat. So now you've won two games in a row, including a top 25 win over Kansas. Uh, can you just describe the mood change there and what things are like there in, in Stillwater and among the fan base? Well, man, like, you know, we've discussed previously, we, we just got too cute, man. The offense that we ran this this spring, this fall, it's not the offense that we rolled out the first few weeks of the season. You probably could have got away, if you're Mike Gundy, you could have got away with the rotation of madness, I think, if all three quarterbacks would have had the, the same offense. Mm-hmm. But he just he tried to get too cute with it, man. And part of that is just being so distracted that you're kind of are cut off from the pulse of the team. And 
and the seriousness of some of the issues. And, you know, man, he's been um, he's been the coach that's actually been X's and O's drawing up the special teams. He's been in the building later. He's been, you know, go, going in earlier and the players can see it. So it's not just right. Hey, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do this thing together. Mike Gundy's legitimately drawing up the scripting offensively, and he's in the office till late at night, which he admit out of his own mouth he hasn't really done for the last eight to ten years. Mm -hmm. So, man, it just uh, my, my frustration still remains because this was the same crap that was happening last season, and he not only ignored it, but he refused to acknowledge that there was ever even any problems. And so, I'm still irritated that it took to now. Right, it took this mm -hmm. point losing to South Alabama, then losing to Iowa State before you had your come to Jesus meeting. In my opinion, that come to Jesus meeting should have happened last year, but nonetheless, we are playing good. The buy in from the players only meetings in the locker room is growing, and now that they're seeing Gundy there every single day and actually working till late at night, I do think that it's starting to, to finally galvanize uh, this unit. Awesome. Uh that's it's good to hear because I'm mean, not not necessarily good to hear for me as a West Virginia fan, but good to hear for the Oklahoma State fan base. And hey, look, I, I I cheer for Oklahoma State when they're not playing us. Honestly, I've, I've always liked and respected Mike Gundy. Now, the last couple of years, he has said and done a few things that get under my skin, so I don't like him quite as much as I used right. to. But I do still have a lot of respect for him and the success he's had as a coach. I mean, he's what is it? How many consecutive winning seasons has he had now? Seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. So I mean. There's not a lot of coaches that can say that in this country. No. You know, so for whatever people want to talk about him being a mediocre coach or whatever, I, I don't I don't see the 17 winning seasons as mediocrity, especially, you know, what, Oklahoma State and West Virginia are similar in a lot of ways. Neither of us are blue blood programs. You know, we 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 are in rural areas where it's harder to recruit. You know, mm -hmm. we, when we're having to compete against schools that that are, are in bigger cities and and you know hard to hard to come, uh, recruit against. You know. There, we have similar challenges, in my opinion. Um, yes, I agree. So I, so I always have respect for a coach that can have that kind of success at a program like Oklahoma State. Um, I mean, we haven't had that kind of cons consistency here really since – well, we've never had that many winning seasons in a row, but that kind of consistency since, I guess you could say, Don Nealon, which was – I mean, heck, he's been gone over 20 years now. So um, it's just crazy, you know, that people will dog on Mike Gundy as a coach. Um, as well, far as his, of, as far as his than, overall career, any of that go, you know, I understand recently that there's been some, some head scratchers. I think it's just, uh, at least from my perspective and some of the, you know, the, the general consensus that I get is everybody's happy with the number of wins. Mm -hmm. I just think that whenever you are responsible for, you know, a ceiling of a university, you know, constantly getting bigger, you have to meet that ceiling. If you set the ceiling, you got to meet the ceiling. And I think um, a lot of people have wondered at times if we reached our ceiling because one Big 12 title in 18 years is not uh, – or 19 years really is not not that that much to write home against. And the Bedlam record being 3-15 and 15 is obviously a major source of a con contention as well. Right, right. So it's never been a body of work, right, with Gundy. The amount of games that he wins, phenomenal. That's why he's you know, one of the top coaches in the game right now. It's the lack of winning the big ones, right? The ones that get you to the title game or win you the title game that I think seems to be the biggest um, the frustration. Gotcha. That makes sense, and that's and that's fair. Um, let's dive into the game now, man. Uh, 
I was I've been trying to look over. I, I've seen a little some Oklahoma State football. I watched their game against Kansas this past weekend, or at least at least part of it. I didn't watch the whole game. Right. And I've been digging through some numbers. And it appears to me as an outsider that the weak point of this team, to me, especially on the defensive side, would be the pass defense. Is that an accurate assessment or is that are the numbers lying to me there? Um no, I think that is accurate. I think it is accurate. I, I think we do still have the propensity to overrun some things, right? Which you, you'd rather your guys be ultra aggressive and you have to, you know, reel them back in as opposed to push. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that you have guys flying sometimes to the wrong area. And then let's just let's just be be frank, right? I don't know anybody, let alone the Big Twelve, but there's not very many in the country that run as many innovative, creative shifts and motions and everything that KU does. So, yes, they, they took advantage mm-hmm. of some of our, you know, overabundance to try to fill, fill voids immediately. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they, they caught, us, caught us in some bad areas. So, yeah, I, I would say that that was deficiency. But here's the irony, man. The first few games, it was the opposite. Mm, uh, we couldn't. Okay. We were we were giving up four point seven, four point nine yards of carry. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, now, when I look at on the offensive side, obviously Ollie Gordon is the key, right? He's coming off a game where he had a hundred over hundred yards receiving, over hundred yards rushing for the first time since I think nineteen eighty nine. Is that mm-hmm. is that accurate? Yep. So he's definitely going to be the focal point, I would imagine, of of the defensive game plan. Yeah, for our defensive coordinator Jordan Leslie, um, and and as he should be, correct. He is that good. Yeah, right. He is that good. Who who are some other guys on the offensive side of the ball that West Virginia fans may not be familiar with that they should look out for this Saturday? Well, Rashad Owens, he's a fifth year wide receiver, been in the game for quite some time. Right, he's kind of one of those disciples of Dunn, even when. You know, Dunn still had that that name, the recognition as one of the wide receiver gurus. He's kind of had to bide his time, not necessarily being the most sure-handed, not necessarily being the fastest, and he's played every single position um, at wide receiver as well as playing tight end last year as well for most of the season. So he's literally that Swiss Army knife that had his coming out party, I guess you could say, uh, mm-hmm. the other day against KU. Without having Dijon Stribling, he's huge. Brendan Presley, right, been around for a few years. He's been a name that I know everybody's going to be pretty pretty aware of. I think on the offensive he's side still of the there. ball. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Feels like he's been there for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, you he's know. The, it's, he's um, the Perry and, Ellis of Oklahoma State football. There you go. And KU <laughs> game, you know, we found some very arena ball-esque intri- intricate ways to get him more involved, which is going to give West Virginia more eye candy. Mm-hmm. Right, it's it's more stuff that you have to look at now, and we've with the reverse of scored for a touchdown, and then when he's kept it, and we ran his own blocking scheme that worked very well. But a name that I think um, most West Virginia fans should maybe note would be our tight end Josiah Johnson. He's somebody we we target early in games, but we never really go back to the well in the second half with him, and we completely abandon him in the red zone. Our red zone offense has not been great. If we cannot get that kicked up a notch, uh, I would expect maybe some uh, Gunner 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 Gundy red zone packages for West Virginia as well. Interesting. But what does Gunner Gundy bring to the table that uh, that Alan Bowman does not? He can run a, a, a little a decent amount, right? Okay. He's not a, a break 
breaking speed down the field for 90 yards guy by any stretch of the imagination. But when he came to Oklahoma State, he was running like a five-flat 40. Mm -hmm. And in his time, they've been able to time him the beginning of this spring at uh, 459. Wow. Yeah. So Garrett Green are about to, about similar speed. So yeah, he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna blaze you, but his strong suit this year that he has played in the games has been his legs, a hundred percent for sure. That's blazing for a quarterback. And he's it a may, gamer, think, man. Yeah, he has no problem, you know, alone in the shoulder. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, I didn't uh I didn't realize he was he was he had that kind of speed. Um, which like I said, again, it's that's good speed for a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, when you look at Alan Bowman, who's going to be the starter, I would imagine. Yeah. Has been the last, what, three games, four games? Correct. Well, the last two. Um, but, you know, man, again, the, the comfort factor that he has mm -hmm. going from doing some power packages, right? 12 personnel, 22 personnel, in conjunction with doing some four or five wide occasionally stuff, it's been a good recipe for, for Alan Bowman, and that's exactly what he thought he was going to get. He thought he was going to get a little bit of some of the Texas Tech old-school stuff that he used to do, but a lot of run-heavy, able to kind of you know get the workhorses more involved offense. And now that he's getting it, him and Gundy, I give credit credits to you, they're coming up with their scripting. The last two games, the first 20, 25 plays mm -hmm. have been something we haven't seen for years. And this is an Oklahoma State team that is typically viewed as a pretty high-octane offensive ball club, or at least since 2010, 2011, right? Right. Um, yeah, man, it, it's a little bit different the way that we're getting it done. But if we can keep this scripting up, this is two games in a row where we have just dominated the first quarter. And it's given us the ability to have some questionable second and third quarters. Interesting. Yeah, did man. They not, did they not script plays in the past? It wasn't Gundy. It was done. Ah, okay. Yeah. Now Gundy's doing it himself. From what I've been being told the last two games, yeah, okay. he, he finally hit the effort button. He got the dry erase board out. He's actually been the one that's designed everything for special teams the last two weeks as well. And we've had five mm. blocks. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean Gundy can still coach. Uh who knew? He just needed to, he just needed to be motivated and kicked in the yeah. rear end a couple times, yeah. I guess. He he was trying to it sounds to me like he and I hate to get uh, I don't want to get sidetracked too much, but it sounds to me like he was trying to pull the Bobby Bowden or you know whatever coaches out there that yeah. did this for a really long time and when they got near the end of their careers, they were able to be CEO types and delegate yes. a lot of that stuff. Correct. Uh, and that might have been working for a while, but it looks like maybe once he started losing some assistant coaches. I think it's like more that, of this transfer market NIL stuff, man. That right? Too, Gundy's yeah. philosophy has always been go after the two-star guy that's going to take a few years to build up, right. get him here, redshirt him, body by glass. By his junior senior year, he'll be a starter, maybe an all-conference kind of guy. You can't do that anymore. I mean, you right. can't afford to do that anymore. Yeah, West Virginia's the same way. They they they're the same type of program because they just never like we talked earlier. They they've not been able to recruit the five star kids like everybody else. So they they have to rely on making three star kids, four and five star kids by the end of their careers. Hundred percent. Yep. So, um, all right, let's switch sides of the ball for a minute and. Yep. Uh, on Oklahoma, on the Oklahoma State defense, we all know about Colin Oliver. Guy's a stud, okay? Right. But I do want to talk about his transition from being a basically a D end to a linebacker. 
has that I mean it seems to me like it's went really well. Did it was there a learning curve for him or did he pick it up pretty quick? Yeah, it wasn't super seamless, but thankfully at Edmond Santa Fe High School in Oklahoma, he did play a considerable amount of linebacker. So from a terminology and understanding what, what he's trying to do, mm -hmm. right? Quarters coverage, uh, whether it's gonna be halves or whether you're gonna be in the flats or you're gonna be in man, so on and so forth, that stuff is not gonna be too difficult for him. He did shed seven pounds in the offseason as well to be a little bit more laterally quick. Um, the first couple of games, I, I really honestly think that we were just too vanilla with him. He didn't do anything, right? He just kind of right. was hanging back. So, you know, it was kind of confusing. Well, is this transition to linebacker going to work? And then whenever he got to kind of be a little bit more involved in some of the nuanced intricacies of the game planning, you're seeing him come out of a shell. And then against KU, when Brian Nardo didn't know what to do, the last few drives of the fourth quarter, he said, screw it, go, go back to defensive end. And Colin Oliver wreaked havoc to end the game. So interesting. you have to watch what he does at linebacker, but we can still cheat him up and put right. his hand in the dirt. And if you see his hand in the dirt, he's probably coming. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, he uh, man, I remember watching him as a freshman against the Oklahoma in the. I don't know if it was the Big Twelve title game or maybe maybe the uh, the uh, Bedlam rivalry game, but nonetheless, whichever game it was, he was wreaking absolute havoc in that game. It was a Bedlam game that year; it had to be. Yeah, it would have sure. been uh, Bedlam twenty twenty one, where the yeah. winner went to the Big Twelve title yeah, game. That was it. But he yeah. he played, and I mean, he was a beast, man. Yeah, I'm thinking, my God, this kid, we got to deal with this kid for three more years. Uh, so yeah, it, it, he's he's a he's a heck of a ball player. He's he's going to get drafted. Uh, there's no doubt yes. about it. Um, who else on on that side of the football um, should West Virginia fans be on the lookout for? Kendall Daniels. Kendall Daniels is, is bound to be a household name at one point in time. All right, there's not very many six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound linebackers slash, slash safeties that can still run a four 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 five forty. Yeah. Kendall Daniels is that guy. So whenever I, I mentioned earlier that, yes, we do have some deficiencies in the backside, it's because we do mess some things up. But mm -hmm. our average corners, like 6'1", 6'2", all of our safeties are, are big dudes that run in that 4'4", four, 4'5", four, four, range. So from an athletic perspective, there's not very many teams that, that can out-athlete Oklahoma State. Right. We're going to get burnt. Yes, we are. We're going to take some chances, and it's going to cost us. Absolutely. But – we're also going to be able to force some turnovers and some some timely um, instances in the game as well. Yeah, you guys do, and you guys sack the quarterback quite often. If I, yes, top if, five if, in the uh, country and yeah, tackles for if, loss. If my memory serves me correctly, you know, from studying the numbers, uh, so that's something. Uh, West Virginia hasn't given up a lot of sacks um, this year. We're one of the top in the conference, right? At least sacks allowed. Mm -hmm. But if our offensive line, which let me back up a minute. Uh, we didn't give up any sacks last week either, but we were horrific in the run game. But uh, so, how's the run defense for for uh, Oklahoma State? Well, we just took the number six running team in the United States of America that was averaging two hundred and thirty two yards a game to mm -hmm. ninety. Um, yeah, you that's know, great. yeah, yeah. Devin Neal's averaging like seven point something mm -hmm. yards a carry this season, I, I, I believe, and. Mm -hmm. We held him in check, which is partially why we got burnt on play action by the tight end deep a couple times, right? We got our safeties creeping up a little bit, but that was the objective, right? The objective was to completely take away from the run. Mm 
make Jason Bean beat you with his arm. And, you know, Jason Bean did step up and he actually, he actually stood and delivered quite often Mm -hmm. and then used his athleticism when he absolutely had to, which I do think is somewhat comparable to Garrett Green. Um, It is. The things Bean was able to do, mostly all of it was due to his, his athleticism and buying a little bit more time. There wasn't a lot of traditional, you know, three-step, five-step drop in rhythm type of, of patterns. It was a lot of just, you know, one-on-one mismatches and athletic abilities, which is why Garrett Green is, is scary as well. Yeah. Do you you guys are mostly a man coverage team. Is that is that correct? We've done a, a – not really. Like, I think we okay. want to be. Um, I just don't think that we have a, a, enough faith to be a full man team. Gotcha. I do think as the season progresses, by this time next year, we should be. I'll put it to you that way. Mm-hmm. But Brian Nardo also likes the ability to mix up the three-man front with the four-man front and then go from zone to man seamlessly with the same guys on the field. I think that's um, that's something that we've been able to to see mesh a little bit more as the season has gone on. Interesting. Um, what about your defensive fr- defensive uh, front? Uh, are they are they a strength or weakness? What do you, how do you look at them? Our defensive tackles have been a strength. Um, you know, you talk about two guys and Justin Kirkland, six foot four, three hundred fifty pounds. He's the dude that benches literally seven hundred squats, eight fifty something. Wow. Like the dude, dude, dude's absolutely insane. And then his counterpart, Colin Clay, has actually started last week because he's kind of been doing equally as good. So D-tackle, we're good. Defensive end has been a pretty big letdown, um, in, in, in my personal opinion. We've got a redshirt freshman in Deshaun Brown that's shown some flashes, especially athletically. But Nathan Latu has done pretty good. I wouldn't say he's done a lot. Cody Waltersheed, in my personal opinion, hasn't done as much as I maybe thought he would. we got the four-star transfer, Anthony Goodlow. He's, he's actually been coming on more recently, but our defensive ends haven't done a whole lot. But our defensive tackles, thankfully, have made the A and B gap so nasty, ugly, and muddy. It's allowed Nicholas Martin, Kendall Daniels, and Colin Oliver to get kind of get kind of free in the backside. All right. Uh, the, the one you said, that the bench is like – how much did you say he benched? Uh, it's like 650, 700. And what position? He's a defensive tackle? Yeah. Does he what gap does, is he a, is he like a does he play the nose tackle yes. spot typically? Yep, yep. So he's going to be matched up with Zach Frazier. He eats guards and centers up. Yeah. Um, he's a double teamer. You're going to have to double That's team a, him. Uh well, last week Zach Frazier played arguably one of the worst games of his career last week against Nwanquo from from Houston. Zach Frazier is an All American center. Yeah, true. He's true. he had been Very playing true. lights out all year. Last week, not so much. His uh, his. Uh, Pro Football Focus grade was in the 40s last week, and that's he's normally a you know 70s at least high 60s guy in Pro Football Focus. Oh, he's even had a few games in the 80s. Wow! So he did not have a good week. So I'll be interested to see how he bounces back this week. That should be another interesting matchup between your all's nose tackle and Zach Frazier. Uh, Repeat his name to me again, Cody. Justin Kirkland and Colin Clay. Yeah, yeah. That's a matchup I, I'm going to keep my eye on because that matchup could dictate how this game goes. 
I'll just be honest with you. Because if he's if if he if they if they have to double team him, if Zach's not able to handle him one on one, which he normally is able to do, right? If he's not able to, it's going to change some things for us. Uh, may force us to pass the ball more, which we were able to do last week against Houston in the second half successfully. Uh, but you know, I'm not sure if that was because Houston's secondary was that bad. If our passing game had improved that much, maybe a little of both. That's what I, I think it's the latter, a little of both. But um, so that'll be an interesting matchup to see, man, how that trenches battle goes between Kirkland and, and Frazier. Um, how are you guys at defending the tight end? I know the Kansas game, you take those two plays. I know those two plays were, were, were no, man, to a degree. So bad. So but, bad. But even with those two out of the equation, you've still been, you still struggle. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly, I do not think that there's a team that we've played this year that hasn't had at least one tight end catch a touchdown on us. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's good. Sometimes news. Trey Rucker gets caught flat footed, right? Sometimes Lyric Rawls would get, would get caught lurking and get burnt deep a little bit. Play action killed us against KU, but this has been going back. I, I, I guess Iowa state isn't a good example because they always have NFL tight ends, but right. You know, if you you look in the conference over the years, OU, um, uh, Cincinnati's actually had quite a few big-time tight ends. KU, K-State, I think West Virginia's actually had some pretty productive guys. Not only do we never use a tight end, but we can never stop one either. Every year, every year, if there's a team with a good tight end, he will beat us up. It just, it is what it is. Yeah. We've got Cole Taylor, the uh, six-seven tight end transfer out of LSU, who's been really good for us this year. He's, you could argue, he's our be- been our best, most reliable receiver, um, as far as you know, game in, game out. He doesn't, you know, he's not, he doesn't break a lot of long, you know, seventy, eighty yard plays. Right. But when you need a play, he's he's usually the guy that makes it for you, and uh, so that makes me feel a little, little good about him possibly having a productive week. Um. Uh, we talked about off- your offensive side of the ball already, but we forgot to—I forgot to ask you about the offensive line. How's the offensive line play been the last three or four weeks? Um, the last two weeks, even from PFF grades, have been all the, all across the board the best in over like seven years. Wow! I, you know, is it is it smoke and mirrors? Is it finding the right combination? You know, is it the running game getting a little bit better? Is it is it the scripting working so well that it opens up the passing game? Who knows, right? It, it's obviously probably equal parts, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of both, right? But the offensive line actually looks pretty good. We we were a zone blocking scheme team for a long time. We went away from it after last season because it was a disaster. And if you don't have a Jalen Warren style of guy, right, it's kind of hard to continuously run that. Mm-hmm. And then we wanted to be a little bit more beefy, right? A little bit more traditional, one hole, two hole, three hole type of stuff. And we did a lot of that in the summer, did a lot of that in the fall. And now we've kind of gotten back into it. And then this last game against KU, we were actually running zone blocking scheme a decent chunk of the time. We did your traditional and we also did a split where one side of the line would do zone and the other side would do straight up. Wow. So, um, you know, Charlie Dickey's been a disastrous nightmare of an O-line coach in Stillwater. But everything he ever did at K-State was fighting a phone booth, right? You know what I mean? Very simple. Yeah. Kiss method. Have your O-linemen get their hands on somebody or mm. get to the second level and drive them into the ground. That's it. 
No cutesy tootsy. No, no trying to help the quarterback hang on to the ball for five, six, seven seconds. None of that. And we're doing some of that, which is which is maybe what's allowed the versatility to kind of show the running game's capabilities now. Yeah. Yeah. When I was watching um, Ollie Gordon the other day, number one, they did. I saw some. I saw them open some major holes for him. Number one. But the, his his ability to make a jump cut is absolutely elite. I mean, he, he's got a jump cut that is one of the best I've seen. I mean, he's just great at it, yeah. man. And if there's a hole there, he will, and he makes a jump cut. <laughs> in that, it's he, he's he's there, and he's go, he's he's at the second level before you can blink. And uh, he's just very talented. So I'm, I'm really worried about us being able to contain him. Uh, Taj Brooks had a good game. Now we were able to beat Texas Tech, but Taj Brooks did have a good game against us. He ran for over 100 yards, but we made them so one dimensional that it kind of played into our hands because it bled clock, you know, yeah. which is what we wanted to do. Um, I mean, your defense is no joke, right? Well, they didn't, they um, were, they were last week. Um, no. <laughs> they played terrible against Houston, but you know, I'm hoping it was every year. There's always one game. The team's going to play down to their opponent at least one yep. time. Yep. West Virginia does it every single year. And I said this year they were going to do it at least once. And I had a gut feeling all week last week that they were going to do that again against Houston. And they did, unfortunately. Unfortunately, my gut was right. So now this year, this week, we need to play Oklahoma State is not an opponent we need to play down to. We need to play equal to or up to, in my yeah, opinion, because you guys are Oklahoma State's playing really good football right now. And they're more talented than Houston is. It's, it's, Houston's got some talented guys, don't get me wrong. But as far as your whole entire roster, top to bottom, Oklahoma State's a much deeper, more talented team, top to bottom. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I mean, Houston's got a couple guys that are, they got a few guys that are probably going to play on Sundays in Houston. There's no right. Doubt skill, skill wise, yeah, Houston yep. is as good as the rest yeah. of, of the Big 12. But yep. it's, you know, the meat and taters section right. and depth they, that, that they've got one stud offensive lineman at the left tackle spot, and they've got one stud defensive lineman at the nose tackle spot. And then they've got great skill players. That's yeah. that yep. on the offensive side. That's really it. Uh, yeah. And they do have one really good DB, I think. But, and he's not been playing that well, Fleming. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it's going to be a much tougher test. We cannot – We ha if West Virginia doesn't bring their A game, and I could say the same for Oklahoma State, both teams are going to have to play mm -hmm. bring their A game this week uh, if they want well, a chance dude, to win this game. You know, we've had to – as much as the scripting has worked, outside of the script, when those first 25, 20 plays are over, we've kicked 10 field goals in the last two games. That is something to take into yeah. consideration. Yeah, I did notice. I did. Uh, in the, I noticed in the K State game too. You guys did a lot. Kicked a lot. You only scored one offensive touchdown in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, plus, you had a pick well, six, if not, it, five it field goals, right? Felt like it. Yeah. No, it was mostly mostly yeah. all field goals, man. It was ugly. Yeah. And no matter what anybody wants to say, right, wrong, or indifferent, good, bad, or ugly about Gundy, uh, the frustratingly predictable nature in which he approaches field goals. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's bound to bite us again. Some point in time this season it just is. Yeah. What's what's uh, can you expand on that a little bit of what, what you mean by that? Well, just uh, Gundy's always, always had a propensity to kick field goals at weird times, right? To punt, gotcha. to okay. like, 
There's like I think me and you have talked about some of the bedlams. Like he'll mm-hmm. punt on his side of the field when down by yeah. eight in the fourth quarter. With you know, it's like what are you what are you doing, man? They're not going to give you an extra five minutes. And I know that it goes backwards sometimes, right? That a coach is too aggressive and they go for it too many times on fourth, and then they're then they're chastised because oh, he's too aggressive. And so I, I get that there's a, a give and take, but. Most of the big games that Oklahoma State has lost under Gundy is primarily because of the conservative nature. Okay. That Gundy's the most conservative coach when he gets a lead in the conference, and it's always been that way. It gotcha. has always been that way. Gotcha. Well, Cody, uh, two more questions. One, is there any? what's the one matchup as an Oklahoma State fan that you are most fearful of, or what's the one player maybe that you're that on West Virginia that has you a little nervous? Well, I actually, what I'm most ready for is I want to see Garrett Green against our secondary because of what happened this last week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, KU did a very good job scheme-wise in, in designing some some things up. So clearly, that's where we have some holes, right? So West Virginia would be intelligent to exploit those holes. I would hope that we spend a decent amount of time this week trying to cover up those holes. Okay. Um, and if we can do that, you know, Garrett Green is very athletic, but he's also still pretty, pretty young. I think that our speed defensively, if we can confuse him enough and, and force you guys to do what we want you to do, I think that's the ticket. And here's the deal, man. It's a day game. Thank you, whoever scheduled <laughs> that one. Yeah, we we prefer night games in Morgantown. I know, dude. Night games in, in Morgantown, night games in Ames are two of the worst things to do if you're a traveling football team, right? Yeah. It just I have watched so many late night crazy Morgantown upsets over the years that I, I've told you it's number two on my bucket list yeah. in the country. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I won't be going to this one, okay? But um, I kind of don't mind experiencing the crazy of Morgantown. I just ho- hope it doesn't happen uh, this go around because it's got to be somewhat docile in the daytime, right? Yeah, I wouldn't call it docile. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it'll, I don't think it's a sellout, but I'd say we'll have 50 to 55,000 there. Hopefully more, hopefully we'll be gotcha. closer to 60, but uh, you know, our fan base is, you know, we, we've been known to have, we are passionate, but, We've not been selling out as frequently as we used to, multiple reasons. Number one, you know, we've not, we've not won as consistently. Two, we're, it's an extremely expensive game day experience in West Virginia, second most expensive in the country based on some research. What? Yes, behind Oklahoma. Between ticket prices, they they, they factor in everything, ticket prices, food, travel, the whole, oh, no. hotels, everything. It's the second most expensive game day experience in the United in, in, the, in college football in the country. Wow, and we're the poor state, or one of the poor states in the country. Well, so I was going to say, is that it, that math don't necessarily add up? <laughs> um, but when we're winning, and we when we're winning consistently, we typically sell out. You know, uh, but nonetheless, it should still be a good. The fans that will show up will be loud, and they'll be excited, and they'll be into the game. Uh, real one more before we go, I, I got to ask you. I know we're two homers here, but people may be surprised. What's I want to get your score prediction? Oh man, I uh, oof. If you're ready, I'm not. But here's what I'll, I'll, I'll say. Here's what I'll say. 
If we take advantage of the script once again, I'll say Cowboys by 8 to 10. If we cannot get that first 2025 play script as successful as the last two weeks, man, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be a dog fight that I could see maybe an overtime style of game. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't fare well in Morgantown. Yeah. I'm gonna reserve the right to change my mind here, but based on what yeah. research <laughs> I've done, what I know about you guys and what I've watched, and what I know about our team and what happened this past Saturday and the fact that we still have a couple guys out with injuries. Okay. I'm going to say we are supposed to have our starting left tackle Wyatt Milan back this week. So hopefully that'll help Yeah, yeah. Uh, on that side but, uh, and hopefully our safety Aubrey Burks, but we're not, he's, he's probably going to be a, a game time decision, but my prediction is it's we're minus, West Virginia's minus three and a half, according to Vegas, at least based on what I saw overrunners are about 49 and a half, which is probably a, if, if they can keep the game in the 20s, that definitely is to our advantage, in my opinion, because that's the style of football we've been playing and been successful at this year. The gotcha. one game we had that was a shootout didn't go our way. So we like to keep it low scoring. Okay. Um, but I'm really concerned about Ollie Gordon and our ability to stop him. And I'm worried that our defense is not maybe as good as they played the first couple of weeks. Our first, you know, three, three, our first three wins against Power Five teams, Pitt, TCU, and Texas Tech. I'm a little worried that maybe that that was a little bit of a, a smokescreen. Okay. Uh, I'm hoping I'm wrong. Right. Yeah. But uh, this is a long winded way of saying I got Oklahoma State by three points. Okay. Like I said, man, if if our scripting goes well, and you guys have to play catch up, I feel pretty confident. Yeah. If the scripting doesn't go well and it's a dogfight, as we watched last year, you know, that, that slugfest in the rain while we tried to throw it 70 times, like we just yeah. we played into your 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 uh, strengths to some degree, right? Yeah. And yeah. I, I think as long as we can deviate from that this time, I mean, you're going to have to stop Ollie, right? It's going mm-hmm. it's, to – but that's the thing is like as we just proved last week with KU – if you go go for broke, stopping the run, and you do it that that successfully, you get a pretty good shot because Alan Bowman, if he's if he's forced just like Green, right? If Alan Bowman's in a position where he he's got to come back from a, a few touchdown deficit, there's going to be some picks along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys are not built for for comebacks, just like we're not. Nope. nope. Yeah. Well, I say that. I mean, we obviously last week we did, so maybe I'm wrong, but. Last week, you know, I'm still trying to figure out if last week was a fluke or as far as how our passing offense played um, or is Houston's defensive secondary just that bad. I I don't know yet because uh, we hadn't been able to throw the ball like that all year. Uh, but now they did make some changes schematically um, and some make some personnel, move some personnel around a little bit to be able to do that. So maybe, maybe they found something, I hope, but we'll see. Uh, well, Cody, man, before we get out of here, tell everybody one more time where they can find you and your work. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, go check out the YouTube show. I, I always forget to ask and it's stupid, right? Cause it's like dating, you know, you ain't going to get the date unless you ask, but, uh, I, I, I'm the worst in the world about asking people to do the like and comment, yeah. subscribe, share all that fun jazz. So I'm trying to get better about, about that. Oh, and a new one, this will show my, um, 
inability to be technologically advanced, I just found out that I have um, like ratings on Spotify, Apple, all mm -hmm. that. I had no idea. Somebody's <laughs> like, hey, man, sent you a five-star review. I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. And I just looked at my Spotify, and there's there's some reviews from the lady that was in charge of the show beforehand. So if you like the show, uh, go give me a rating on, on Spotify and Apple so I can get that that old uh, old host's um, whatever statistics off of there. And give him a thumbs up on YouTube as well as well, and give me give this show a thumbs up too, guys. Yeah, you you better like Kuz's show. This is uh, guys, and I've said it before, so I don't mind saying it again. Um, Kuz is one of the reasons, uh, along with Golden Blue, dude, that I even even entertained even exploring to try to do this job. Well, thank you, man. Hundred percent, man. Golden Blue, dude, is my was my inspiration. I, I got to tell you. Um. And unfortunately, I did tell I was able to tell him that before he passed. But uh, that's awesome. And he was, you know, he obviously was was, uh, you know, excited, happy, whatever that I told yeah. him. That. But uh, yeah, yeah, made him well, feel yeah, dude, the first couple of times I watched him, I, was I gave like, him his flowers, as they say. I was like, um, I'm going to yell in two. I like this golden <laughs> blue, dude. Yeah. Yep. So but anyway, um, anyway, Cody, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Everybody yes, go sir. check out his work at Locked On Oklahoma State at All Day O State on X, Twitter, whatever you call it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go check it out. He he does really good, really good work over there uh, covering Oklahoma State. He puts out a show every single day, so uh, be sure not to miss it. With that being said, guys, please also check out my work. <laughs> like, like, share, comment, subscribe, do all that stuff that Cody mentioned earlier. If you're listening yeah. to this on podcast platforms. And yes, I do do that um, occasionally. Give me a five-star rating. I would really appreciate it. With that being said, guys, we really appreciate you tuning into the show. And until the next one, Q Country Roads, and have a top-shelf day. <laughs>